0: And so then they took him to the clinic and he's fine today. She saved his life. She would not have known how to do that had she not gone through the class. And then here's a woman who is been a taker. She's been a taker. She's not been a giver. And she is able to literally save her neighbor's son's life and the testimony of that. And they were like, how did you know what to do? And she's like, because I went through this class and now I know how to prevent someone from dying from diarrhea. We don't have to die from diarrhea if we can keep hydrated and then go get help for whatever's causing the problem.
1: Women with disabilities in Sierra Leone live in an even greater level of vulnerability than the average woman. In a country that already puts women at a disadvantage, Women of Hope Sierra Leone serves approximately 400 women in a town of McKinney, population of about 100,000, who have disabilities of many kinds. And some of these disabilities represented among the women are blindness, deafness, Post-polio syndrome, paralysis from injuries or poorly administered immunizations, amputation, leprosy, and war wounds, too. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We're going to join a longtime friend of mine, Kim Carbo. She's the president and CEO and the co-founder of Accessible Hope International, and she just came back off a sabbatical. I can tell she's rested.
0: <laughs> yeah, Kim, yeah,
1: welcome Thank back you. to reality, I guess, huh?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the harsh realities. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sabbatical is for a period, right? Yes. A needed period, but you must get back and engage uh, the work that God's called right. you to.
0: Yep. And so I'm back. And the first week was a whirlwind, but I'm going to attempt to still the winds a little bit or let, let the Lord still the winds a little bit because that was, it was too much spun up on the first week back. But, you know, our work, justice ministry is always hard. It's just always hard. Yeah. There are always needs, huge needs, big needs. There's always critical needs. There's always crises. The areas that we work in are hard. The situations we work with are hard. So the, the chaos and the confusion and the, the urgency never goes away. Yeah. So really, my takeaway coming back from sabbatical is but the way we are in that crisis or in that urgency has to be different. We don't have to succumb to the urgency that, that kind of wants to be our boss. And we can trust the Lord and walk restfully in that to see what he's going to be doing. And we're not, we're not the solution, right? He is. So wow. we, can, we can allow him to continue to <laughs> so be that solution, he is um, the solution while we work alongside him.
1: So what did God show you during this rest? you took, what, about a month off, I, I believe? Took three months. You took three yeah, months off, yeah, okay. Three months. Some people outside the ministry world who maybe are working in nine to five are going, how do you take three right. months off? Why can't I take three months off? So why can't they take three months off? How are you able to do that?
0: Obviously, I think for some people, the finances would be a big part of it. We have sabbatical practice um, worked into our ministry culture. So it's part of what we do, and it's for all staff um once they've worked 7 years. So preferably within in the 7th year of ministry and I am well behind on that cuz I'm in my 11th year of ministry with Accessible Hope. <laughs> yeah. But what we would ideally want and we actually yeah. put our, sab- our sabbatical protocol in place after my 7th year so I had to catch up and we have a couple other staff that are catching up too. But that's really something that we want to hold as a as a deeply held value that we honor Sabbath regularly, that we don't work seven days a week, uh, 24 hours a day, that we're not always available, and that we do take some extended time for sabbatical every seventh year of ministry. So I know for some people, you know, the finances would be difficult. Ours is worked into our culture. But actually, because there's so much good science to it, you know, when the Lord set sabbaticals up in the Bible, he, he knew what he was doing. Uh, So there are a lot of corporate cultures that are actually engaging this practice, too. So I would, you know, and I think that's that's the first hurdle or one hurdle. The other hurdle is just our own self-importance. How in the world could my job be? continue or go on how could my people go on my team go on without me for three months how could the ministry be done for three months and that's just our own self-importance that we bring to it and our own egos and that's a hurdle that we have to deal with individually as yeah. opposed to with our yeah. our hr department you know yeah. but that's the harder hurdle i think because i think even if people were in a place where they would be welcomed to take a sabbatical they're just not going to do it because it just seems to impossible. Yeah, um, And yeah. I, I will say I had a sabbatical committee. Uh, I recommend this to everybody. I had a sabbatical committee that worked with me for nine months prior to my sabbatical, working on my own heart's desires and my own goals for my own self as a person and as a leader. And then um, we met once a month during my sabbatical, just as check-ins and see how things yeah. were going. And then we're meeting once afterwards for takeaways. Yeah,
1: I think the thing too, it's not just being unplugged totally. You are getting refreshed and you're Mm -hmm. getting refreshed spiritually, re-energized too. getting extra time in prayer, extra time alone with the Lord. Also getting a chance to spend time with your family, your children, which you had a great opportunity. You went back to Sierra Leone and Mm -hmm. you spent some time and you also had your kids with you, too. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that was one of my goals was to really be able to engage relationships um, at a deeper level, which I you know, I am very busy um, with the ministry, and so I don't often have that opportunity. But that was one of the goals that I had was really to engage some relationships and make sure that I was leaning into those to do some some spiritual formation stuff, some retreats of my own and meet with a spiritual director and, and just really evaluate my own soul as a leader. Yeah. Yep. And what the Lord might want to do in me um, before he does something through me in coming right. back. I love so.
1: that. What are some takeaways from this sabbatical for Kim?
0: Oh, you know, it's only been a week that I've been back, Byron. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still processing takeaways in my sabbatical committee meeting where we're going to kind of process that as a group next week. So I um, haven't had that yet, but I, there's been a lot. One is we were talking before we started recording about the way that urgency feels like your boss in, and it shouldn't be. You know, we need to be the boss of the urgency, not the other way around um so i think that's one of the things to to approach a crisis or a critical situation from a place of rest and trust as opposed to a place of you know frenetic solution finding that's one big one and yeah it's more uh, it's more the being it's the how it's the how we engage ministry that i have a lot of takeaways for and i think it was clarifying to me for myself personally just to engage more With more headspace, you know, more spaciousness of thought um, to be able to talk more with myself and the Lord about, like, who am I? What are my particular skills? What are the things that you have really called me to so that I can rearrange some things at work and... And operate more in my giftings and not be drained by the stuff that maybe somebody else should be doing and, and, and could and, do better.
1: And it's easy in, when you're engaged in ministry and you've got to because you've been doing this now for 11 years, yeah. as, as you said, and it becomes your baby. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, God's called right. you this. So you, you feel this accountability and you want to do it. But in the process of that, you can become very territorial. Yeah. And this is mine. And learning how to uh, distribute responsibilities and see this is the body and a teamwork and effort, which you have with your ministry. But those are things that's always good to keep in check.
0: Right. Yeah. One of the hard things for me in going into sabbatical was a little bit of guilt because we're a very small team. And so I knew that my absence was really making more work for the rest of my team. Um, In the States, we only have currently three full-time workers and two part-time, of course, in Sierra Leone, we have more than that. But but I knew that my stepping away was also going to, by necessity, create a little bit more pressure for them. And that that's hard, but it's also part of that sabbatical experience for people to be able to engage. You know, I had one team member who was able to be the point person on a grant process that she would not have normally stepped into. Like that would not be her comfort zone at all. And she did a phenomenal job, you know? So just for people to be able to lean into skills they haven't necessarily engaged.
1: That encourages you too, because you realize I might not always be in the picture of this ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether God moves you to another ministry or brings you to home, you know? Yeah. You get hit by a bus. Yeah. You never know. Hit by a
0: bus scenario. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so that you know that the work that is helping so many people Wow. 11 years. I mean, and you have lived and worked for nearly half of your life in Sierra Leone. We've told your story in the past. You were raised by missionary parents serving as a missionary in a variety of capacities in that country. Mm-hmm. Really where God gave you the burden to start Accessible Hope International. Yeah. So where are we today? What are some of the changes? I know that the ministry scope is Broader yeah. than just Sierra Leone.
0: It is, yeah, quite a bit broader. You know, like we talked about last time I was in, Byron, we were actually right on the cusp of a rebrand yeah, um, at that fact, time. We were
1: going to have a drum roll. Yeah, because you, you couldn't even tell I me couldn't the,
0: tell you the name. Yeah. So that's
1: been over a year now.
0: Well, we, we rebranded June, so not quite a year. Well, not quite but a year. Yeah, okay. But we yeah. rebranded June 1st. That was our sort of 10 year anniversary um, date. So we rolled that out with our 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I was in here, I think, in May, maybe. That's right. yeah. Uh, something yep. like that. We were talking about the rebrand, and the rebrand was really out of necessity. We had outgrown our name. It was starting to feel like clothes that were too small, you know. So uh, our previous name was Women of Hope International. That was the name we were founded under. And then we have uh, Women of Hope Sierra Leone, our program in Sierra Leone that serves uh, women. That program exclusively serves women affected by disability. And you mentioned all the different types, you know, in your introduction. But then along about 2016 or so, we began to see a lot of expansion. And the way that that took place was in Sierra Leone, we would have women who would begin to understand that there was a God who loved them and a God who cared for them and made them in his image. And They wanted to know more. You know, they had never heard that before. And so where are you going to go if you want to learn more about the God of the Christians? You're probably going to go to church. Well, so they tried that, and then they were getting kicked out of church because there's such a stigma around disability. And even in the church, there's just a lack of understanding of what disability is and if it's contagious. And, you know, if the people are cursed by God and therefore are going to bring a curse with them into wherever they become community— And so they were not allowed uh, in the churches. And so that was heartbreaking. You know, that was early in the ministry years. And so we developed um, disability in the church workshop that we did. It was a one day workshop for pastors and uh, church leaders to help them really understand what their own thoughts were about disability and to then look, hold those in light of the scripture and see, you know, where was their discrepancy. And if we evaluate our own thoughts in light of scripture and we find a discrepancy, it's probably not the scripture. So you know, just for yeah, yeah. for them to be able to to look at that and go, Oh, whoa, I am not thinking right about people with disability. And so that was pretty successful and helped us get some churches open that would let women come in and be discipled. But then we also were receiving requests from all over the world, and this has been right from the beginning, Byron, that come and start a women of hope here, come and start a women of hope here. It was heartbreaking because we're like, How how can we do this? We can't replicate what we're doing in Sierra Leone. It's just too cost intensive, too. Money intensive to manpower intensive I mean, just everything is just Yum. too much. We didn't have the capacity for that. So we really just kept holding that before the Lord. Like, Lord, you know, you see the need, it's yours to answer. What do you want us to do? Well, with this disability in the church workshop, then be- became sort of the tool that we could take into other places because it was very um, transferable and relevant in a lot of different scenarios, particularly in uh, Africa and Asia. We sort of expanded that a little bit and we took it to some other countries. And so in 2016 was when we launched our EQUIP program, which was really our church development, church training program. And, um, and we had this three-day workshop at that time that we called the Theology of Disability, uh, really engaging the issue of disability from the scripture. So, you know, rather than us replicating what we're doing in Sierra Leone for women, going to churches who already have a heart, want to reach out to people with disabilities in their community and let them sort of begin to wrestle with the Lord on what would that look like for them. You know, we knew that could take any kind of form, you know, and it wouldn't always be women. We began to get a lot of questions. Well, if you're doing these theology of disability workshops and you're working with churches, which are mostly men, why are you called women of hope? And, you know, so it began to be kind of confusing to people, and we knew that eventually the name was going to have to change, so we started thinking about rebrand, and then we just decided to time it in conjunction with our 10-year anniversary as just a good timing for that, and then launched Accessible Hope International June 1st last year.
1: Less than 2% of women with disabilities earn a sustainable income or are employed. 98% of women with disabilities fall below the Human Poverty Index as opposed to 477 of all Sierra Leoneans. Less than 20% of these women have an education above primary school and 46% of them have no education at all. 70% of women with disabilities have suffered from rape or sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm. Wow, these are, yeah. these are heartbreaking statistics.
0: They are. Yeah, they are. And that's not just Sierra Leone. I mean, those statistics are for Sierra Leone, but that holds pretty true throughout much of the developing world.
1: It's been, like you said, June when you kind of Mm rebranded. What is this providing for you now as a ministry just to rebrand and continue on? Or are you actually having opportunities now to open up your brand in some of these other countries.
0: Yeah. So 2016 was sort of our first foray into taking this teaching into a different country and culture. So we did in India and got a lot of feedback from that that would help us to make sure that it was relevant. The Indian subcontinent has a, a different, I mean, there are similarities in culture, but different culture than, say, West Africa. So wanting to make sure that all of the examples and the different theological points resonated with people in, a, in another setting as well. So we made some tweaks, and then that was when we launched really the three-day, uh, which has now turned into a four-day TOT, training of trainers. What we really want to do is to have leaders who are passionate about this ready to take the training, but then we train them as facilitators, too. So they go through the workshop, but they also go through a facilitator training that allows them to be able to take that training to the next, to their constituents, to their other community leaders, other church leaders in their area. A pastor in Burundi, Central Africa, that he has been through our TOT, Theology of Disability, TOT, he already had a ministry that he and his wife had set up, very, very humble they had no outside sources of funding mm-hmm. they still have no outside sources of funding but they really had a passion and a burden for vulnerable women in their community his particular target populations are women with disabilities and prostitutes wow. and those are the two groups of women that he and his wife have engaged to disciple to come alongside them with just love of christ and discipleship and evangelism and then also economic empowerment so They, for a long time, worked on a porch of a lady in their town who had her porch space was available and she let these uh, women use it. So they got a couple of sewing machines and they started teaching people how to sew. And now he has a a center that he wants to open where more women can Mm -hmm. be trained. And Byron, you know, the thing is, I just wrote back to him yesterday because he just wrote me with an update. He just keeps us updated. And after his training... Within five months after that training that he did, he had done seven additional workshops on a theology of disability with other churches in the region, with um, the people that he works with to help them understand themselves better and their disability better, with all kinds of community leaders. I mean, the guy is like gangbusters. So then he wrote me this week um, and was just asking, you know, he said, we just need $200 a month to be able to really get this center running so that we can serve 310
1: women. $200 a month. To serve serve
0: 310 women. women
1: in their community. Wow. And
0: you know what? I wrote back to him yesterday in tears because we are currently in a position where we don't have it. I mean, if I had it, I'd send it. Like, I would love to come alongside this pastor. We've been working with him for over two years. We've been there on the ground. We've seen his work. Really humble man. Just loves Jesus and loves helping vulnerable people. His wife and he have funded pretty much everything on their own. Like they have not had outside resources. And in fact, he didn't even ask me for the money. He said, would you please pray that the Lord would send us $200 so that we could serve these 310 women better? Man, Byron, I wrote back really in tears, but I said, you know what, this breaks my heart. I would love to be God's answer to that right now and let your ministry become an affiliate of Accessible Hope, which is what we have dreams of but right now, we just can't meet the need. We have another ministry, almost exact same story in Liberia, who want to start a Women of Hope Liberia. They already have a ministry. It's already running. They're yeah. already discipling women, empowering them. Um, and those are those are women-specific. But then there's other—we um, want to train up ambassadors. So we've had trainings all over the world, really, um, in the last few years with these Theology of Disability. And, and out of that, usually will emerge— um, one or two or three people who've gone through that training who just are passionate about reaching people with disabilities with the gospel. Wow! And, you know, we just want to be able to come alongside them. And right now we cannot um, meet the need that's out there. We get more requests for training than we can possibly um, serve. And, uh, and that's just heartbreaking. Yes, to me. it
1: is. Kim, one of the things you talk about on your website, you say, we cannot separate our economic success from our economic health or our physical health from our spiritual condition. You've got a diagram where the, the hub is Jesus, mm-hmm. and you, you see these these other parts that connect. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that and, yeah. and how you see that works.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of our really deeply held uh, core values is, is that we do everything holistically. So we see that individuals, humans, have really seven domains that need to be addressed in order to kind of treat them as an entire person. Mm-hmm. So the first one, which is not one that people would typically think of, um, but we believe that it's paramount, is dignity and purpose. Um, particularly with the populations that we work with, you know, if you if you believe that you are trash, if you believe that you're cursed, if you believe that God hates you or that God that maybe you're not even a full human, right? If that's what you've been told all your life and you actually believe it, um, no matter what kind of training you give someone, no matter how much money you give them to start a business, no matter, Whatever you do, it's not going to succeed because yep. they yep. don't think that they have the value or the possibility or the potential to do something that mm-hmm. would be successful. Yes. And so, you know, as we worked in Sierra Leone, that was the thing that sort of rose to the surface, that unless they've got a change in mentality first about themselves, um, they're not going to all the rest of whatever we do is really in vain. Yeah. Uh, so dignity and purpose is the first of the seven domains. And then after that, we've got spiritual, uh, physical, emotional, uh, social, relational. Intellectual and economic. And so those are the the domains that we really address in all of our training programs, whether that's our theology of disability or whether that's our transformation training, which is the four-month training program that women can go through in Sierra Leone. We would love to get that training into Burundi and Liberia, into these ministries that are already working with women, because what we've seen out of that transformation training, Byron, has been mind-blowing, the amount of transformation that we see. And I'm not just saying that. To make a good statement. Like, it really has been mind-blowing.
1: I mean, when you can give a person their dignity and they can see a purpose for their life, that's revolutionary. Yeah. Well, and it's
0: really, we don't give them dignity. They've got it. We just need to help them see it.
1: And it's not just having dignity as a person or having purpose as a person. It is the dignity and the purpose that we have in Christ. Which is far better than yeah. anything else, yeah. you know, we, right. once, once we see that.
0: Yeah. And just to, you know, so they can begin to rethink their identity of, of who they are, you know, so the lies that they've been told all their life of you're nothing, you're half human, you're a demon, you're cursed by God, you know, that those lies can be righted by truth. And so that's really the first thing that we start with. And then from there, we, we take it through the rest of the six domains.
1: Time is coming quickly to a close. And I don't know what else you have on your heart you want to talk about. One thing I wanted you to kind of address quickly is your professional nurse background and the outbreak of this coronavirus that we're seeing right now in light of Ebola mm-hmm. that you, as your ministry in Sierra Leone, have quite engaged multiple times. Well, once, or, for or a, a very once. long time, yeah. yeah. But for a very long time, <laughs> yeah. right. So we got this big scare. Yeah, we you know? do.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I am somewhat avoiding a lot of the news. Uh, it's a little bit PTSD, to be honest with you. Um that was a really traumatic time for our ministry. It was very hard, but i I also kind of have the the mindset of like man, I, I survived Ebola. This is nothing you yeah, know yeah. like I mean there's yeah. kind of that too yeah, yeah. um but I think it's the same thing you know during Ebola, there was so much fear, and the thing about us as Americans, really humans but i 'll just say americans because that 's where we are we have a we have a problem we This has been going on for a long time in china we didn 't really care that much um until all of a sudden. Crossed over our shores, right, and now we're just in a tizzy, and whatever is up with the toilet paper thing, can't I don't even, even buy know. Walsall. Yeah, right. I, like what in the world? So, um, but we as believers are not to be driven by fear. We can take precautions. We can take measures to prepare. But we need to do that in the confidence that the Lord has us in his hand, that we are his and that he has plans and purposes, even with viruses, right? Like this is not outside of his sovereign control. He rules viruses and microbes, right? So that's something that we need to just stand in. If we need to stand in front of the mirror and say to ourselves every day, look, you are covered with the blood of Jesus, he you are his, and he owns the viruses, right? Yeah. Like, that, we need to do that. But um, but we need to stop uh, behaving as if we don't have a God that's strong.
1: Thank you for that commentary. Yeah, I appreciate that's that. My, that's my thought. You're a nurse and professional, and you, like I said, you've dealt with Ebola, so you have some great insight there. Okay, so as we close out, what's on your heart?
0: You know, I just wanted to tell one story. This is very recent. That's why it's on my heart, um, uh, of a woman who is currently taking the transformation training course. I think they're about a third of the way through that course like i said 4 month course it's very it's a holistic health course that's what we call it um but really a holistic discipleship course they deal with everything you know from bible stories that show god's story of redemption but show women's value and role in it that god used women throughout that story they uh, We talk about things like disease prevention and hand-washing and hygiene and, and all kinds of stuff about conflict resolution. Just all those seven domains, all of those are addressed in this uh, this course. Well, one of the women, we'll call her Aminata, she, in her village, just imagine, she has been outcast. She's been shunned. She's been somebody who's on the fringes. People don't look to her for any kind of, you know, if they have a need, they don't look to her. She would be considered a taker, not a giver in society, um, in her town. And she had just been through um, class and uh, she knew that her neighbor's son was sick. Well, one night in the middle of the night at midnight, she woke up to hear her neighbor wailing loudly and thought, "Okay, something must have happened to her son. So she ran next door to go and see what was wrong. She saw that the boy was very weak, semi-conscious. The mother was already wailing in death. And the woman realized that this boy had had diarrhea for so long. Now, there's a a bit of a traditional belief in Sterling that if you have diarrhea, so a lot of water's coming out, so you want to stop the water so that it'll stop coming out, right? So they typically will not give children or people will not drink when they have diarrhea in order to stop the diarrhea. Well, this woman had been through this class. She knew what the treatment and prevention of diarrhea was, and she knew how to make a simple rehydration solution uh, made out of just sugar, salt, and clean water. And so she realized what was happening. She mixed up the water, and then she started spooning that into the boy's mouth. Um, the mother was wailing. She was really not useful at that moment. So this woman sat and started spooning this oral rehydration solution into this boy's mouth and stayed all night spooning water into this boy's mouth with, with electrolytes in it. And um, by morning, the boy was conscious and was uh, was talking, still weak. And so then they took him to the clinic and he's fine today Whoa. she saved his life she would not have known how to do that had she not gone through the class and then here's a woman who is been a taker she's been a taker she's not been a giver and she is able to literally save her neighbor's son's Whoa. life Whoa. and the testimony of that and they were like how did you know what to do and she's like because i went through this class and now i know how to prevent someone from dying from diarrhea that we don't have to die from diarrhea if we can keep hydrated and then go get help for whatever's causing the problem It was an incredible story, (laughs) and you know, just changed her the perception her town has of her completely. Because now she's somebody that knows stuff. Like she's helpful, (laughs) she's useful, you know, and and she's a friend. You know, she's somebody that we can look to and have community with. And that's been, I mean, that's one story that just happened two weeks ago. Wow. Um, But just some really amazing stories like that.
1: Wow, Kim, this is great as always. Appreciate you coming by again. Accessible Hope International is the ministry friend. You need to learn more about it. The, you got Facebook, you got a website. Mm-hmm.
0: accessiblehope.org.
1: Accessiblehope.org. Yeah. And it,
0: and for people ex, spelling accessible is a challenge. So if you think access, so yeah. people normally can spell access. Yeah. So it's A C C E S S. So access, Accessible Hope International, opening doors of access for people with disabilities worldwide.
1: Kim, this has been great as always. Please, friend, go to the website, go to the Facebook page to learn more information. And Kim's also available to speak at your church or your small group or whatever to share more about the work. They can also use your financial support. So I would encourage you to pray about. And if you're looking for an opportunity to share with a ministry that is truly engaging the most vulnerable, women with disabilities, I encourage you to support Accessible Hope International. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.